You're listening to the Simple Pen Podcast. Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Simple Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Kate All. I'm the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media. We are a Pinterest management and marketing agency. We help you find your perfect person on Pinterest. Today, we're diving into the story of Neil Schaefer. He specializes in helping marketers figure out how to choose where you spend your time, where you spend your money, based on what your KPIs are. As you know, this summer, we're airing a summer story series for those who need a little break from all the tips and tricks just to listen to how others approach business and even how they grew their platform. These are a series of business owners I've handpicked to hear their stories with the hope of being inspired. Some I've heard before and want to share with you, but others, like this story with Neil, are totally new to me, and I'm excited to be led down the path of their story in hopes to learn more about them and possibly something about myself. I have one ask for you as you listen to this series. When an episode impacts you, will you share it with a friend? I believe stories have the power to help us learn and provide aha moments that we often need as we're growing our business. Your share with a friend would be the highest compliment of this podcast, and I'd love it if you would extend that story to another. Okay, let's dive into my story today with Neil Schaefer. Hey, Neil, welcome to the Simple Pin Podcast. It is a total honor to be here as an avid listener. Uh, It's sort of surreal to be here on the same stage, virtual stage with you, Kate. So thank you for the invite. You bet. And thank you for listening. I mean, as a podcast listener myself, I know that like what we dedicate our ears to is very sacred space. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. That honor in your podcast app, I would say. (laughs) Um, So I would love for you to tell listeners who you are and what your business is centered upon. Sure. My name is Neil Schaefer. I am a, I call it digital content influencer, social media marketing. Uh, because I tend to dabble in all those uh, author, consultant, speaker. Uh, My business primarily is a combination of speaking and consulting. Consulting, I offer a service called a fractional CMO service. So it's sort of like coming in to a company for a period of time and becoming their CMO or VP of marketing or director of marketing or being, being the marketing lead to either help them create their digital social strategy or recreate uh, and revise everything that they've been doing. So it requires me to work with a lot of different companies across a lot of different platforms. And I just love the diversity of of being able to do that on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So I have to ask, do you like creating from scratch or making a cohesive plan out of a mess? I have done both. Uh, every company is really different. So I've worked with startups where they, you know, they were just spending $10,000 a month on Google. And they weren't doing anything else. It's like, okay, let's take a step back here, see what else we can do. Or yeah, others where they really weren't doing anything with digital. Um, it was all just vanity uh, stuff on social. So yeah, every every company is, is very different. And some have been more messier than others. But to me, uh, I have my own framework. And it's something I've really worked on since coronavirus. 
because uh, Kate, we talked about this before. I one of the books I wrote. I've written four books over the last decade. My last one was called The Age of Influence. It came out the day California went on lockdown in 2020, right? Perfect timing. But what I realized was all these companies reaching out to me for help with influencer marketing when they didn't have everything in order in their digital house. There, there were other things where if they invested the money or the resources, it would actually have more impact on their business. So I take this very holistic perspective in my own framework that I've sort of perfected over the years. It's sort of like, you know, you wouldn't go to a doctor, Kate, and say, I need help with my Pinterest without knowing that that is the place where you should be investing most of your time and resources, right? So I, I always like to take a step back. Therefore, I enjoy finding mess, right? And then helping them clean up, but really with a strategic focus. And I think it's really about the focus, the objectives. And it's something, Kate, you talk a lot about on your podcast. Yeah, you can hire Simple Pin Media to, to generate a lot of traffic, but what's the business value of that, right? And it's it's a similar conversation, but just over a, a scale that goes across all the different social media and digital channels. Mm, I love it. I'm already so excited for this conversation. I have like 10 million questions in my head, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the beginning. So how did you even get started in this business? Well, my background is B2B sales and biz dev. And I started my career in Asia. So for those of you that don't know, I, I speak fluent Japanese and Mandarin Chinese. And I spent the first 15 years, I'm, I'm from Southern California. I went to, a, went to University of Massachusetts, but I decided to start my career in Japan. So I lived there 15 years. And it was really when I came back from Japan, got married, had a baby girl, wanted to raise her here. So I came back here, was still consulting for my client, my not client, but I was an employee at the time. Uh, and it was 2008 when I was in transition for the first time in the United States. And I'd become a member of LinkedIn back in 2004. I was one of their first million members because I worked in high tech, what have you. But it was really being in transition in a industry and a area where I didn't have a network because my network was all in Asia where I decided that I was going to strategically invest time in LinkedIn as a tool. And little did I know the, the things I learned about LinkedIn and the ways that I could gain more visibility there. And I realized that after I get the job from a, a sales perspective, it was going to be a very, very powerful tool. So that's why my career in social started launching a blog the day I got a job offer. And then the day, three and a half months later, when we had the Lehman Brothers crash, uh, and the, the, my uh, employer decided to completely pull out of Asia of really going full in on the blog. And my wife's saying, look, if you can't find a job, why don't you just write a book? And that's pretty much, you know, I write a book on LinkedIn and uh, I get asked to speak. And then in January 2010, it was the fork in the road. I had a job offer. And then I had four different consulting opportunities. And it, they were companies that they didn't know what they didn't know. They, they didn't even know where to start with social media back then. This is 2010, right? So a variety of industries. And that was where I realized that what I thought companies needed, I don't have an agency background. So what I thought companies needed was they needed a lot of education and they needed strategy. So that's where I launched a social media marketing strategy consultancy. This is back in January, 2010. And I haven't looked back since. It's obviously gone from LinkedIn to other platforms and more recently outside of social to other digital channels. Um, and, you know, I, I've written books, I've done the consulting, there's been speaking, I've taught at a few universities, you know, executive education, Rutgers Business School and some universities in Europe. So it's been a multiple revenue stream. I'd say back in 2016, 17, I started to get some B2B influencer marketing revenue coming in. 
I've done some affiliate marketing. I'm looking into diving deep into Web3 and actually creating my own cryptocurrency. I'm fast forwarding, but um, but yes, I've been one of those you know content creators, uh, people that want after after going through an experience where after three and a half months they pulled the plug on me. I realized back in 2008 that I need to build something that no one can take away from me, and that was my personal brand. And I need to monetize it in a way that is mitigating risk by having multiple revenue streams. So I've been thinking that way for the last decade. And maybe some of you listening are nodding and thinking the same way. But yeah, that's the only way forward. And, it, and I'm glad I do that because every year it's, it's different. You know, Obviously, when COVID hit, people that just did speaking, they lost all their revenue. Consulting boomed for me. I had my best financial year in 2020 because I had this consulting uh, this package and it can be done virtually and people are open to remote work. So uh, I've been blessed, but yeah, it, it, this is really an industry that I think's found me. And I say my background is B2B sales and biz dev, but I also did marketing. I was country manager, you know, VP of Asia sales. I was responsible for a lot of things, had to wear a lot of hats and marketing was, was an integral part of that. So I didn't take any classes on marketing. It's something I've learned over time. But when social media began, there wasn't a lot of like social selling going on in 2010, but there was a lot of social media marketing. And that's why I really focused on that. Um, and that's what I've been doing for the past 12 years now. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say these 12 years and these multiple platforms coming onto the scene because in 2010 is when Pinterest came out. And then obviously we have the rise of Instagram and the rise of TikTok. And then, you know, there's been some that have come and gone in between. But I think what you said was so fascinating there was this whole idea of like diversification. Like you took this place in 2008, which I have found very similar to my story is that that was such a catapult and a catalyst for a lot of us to try something new. And, you know, I'm sure you can see this today too, where it seems like we're going through that same thing. Like you can do what you've always done or you can jump into something new. And for you, you took it and said, I'm not just going to create one channel. I'm going to create multiple channels and multiple diversification opportunities. And I do see limitations with people that I talk to that are content creators or even service providers. There's that fear of branching out. So with that and with the growth of your business, did you see each, I guess, um, I'm seeing them as like arms of a tree. Did you see each one as opportunity? And how did you feel? Well, you did see it as an opportunity. So let me frame it this way. Was there an element that made it difficult for you to feel like there were so many plates spinning at the same time? Or did you see it as like, these are each lanes in a freeway and I'm going to go down all of them. Talk a little bit about that struggle between one lane versus multiple lanes. Yeah, I think that my I, I have a pretty unique DNA or that's what I've been told. When I worked for my first company was a uh, semiconductor manufacturer. I was selling semiconductors in Asia, right? Probably hard to believe now. But I remember one gentleman um, at a big trading company reaching out to me and said, Neil, do you like, are you a shareholder? Do you work for the shareholders? Because I was so passionate about what I did that it almost seemed like every time he heard me speak, I was speaking on behalf of the CEO or the shareholder. I've always had that mindset because my business is customer driven. So I am always thinking when I'm thinking like, you know, I, I talked a little bit about Web 3.0 and NFTs. I'm thinking about my clients' needs. So after I wrote that first book on LinkedIn, I finished the rough draft in March of 2009. I got it. Facebook was just opening up then. 
Uh, I got you know heavy into Twitter. I joined Twitter like October 2008. Pinterest came shortly thereafter. I believe Pinterest was invite only at the beginning. Um, and I, I was able to get in fairly early, I think. And then obviously Instagram. But to me, it's like I need to understand this because my clients and my future clients need it. And now that I have a blog and a podcast, my my community needs it. So at the heart of what I do, and I think, Kate, you're probably similar, we're, we're sort of like educators and we're driven by our clients in the community. And with that mindset, it's not about, you know, do I choose one highway or the other or, or am I spinning too many plates? It's that this is reality and these are the challenges that every business has and I need to help figure it out for them, right? Now, I can't do it all alone and there, you know, I never got into Snapchat. If you want to, if you want to help with your Snapchat, I'm not the person. I'm not that big into TikTok either. I'll, I'll be completely honest. So, you know, there are some channels, some highways that I have traveled on more than others. But do I think that they're important to understand? Absolutely. Do I spend more time on them? Absolutely, right? So I think it, it's all part of this holistic perspective that I realized, you know, after I'd written that book on LinkedIn, I didn't want to force, you know, I don't work for LinkedIn and I didn't want to force LinkedIn on people that may not need it. There might be other solutions that are better, especially if they're a B2C company, right? And maybe with Pinterest, Kate, you might feel the same way with B2B companies. They're, they're, they might be better served by other channels. So it's really me understanding that, you know, I need to be able to serve client needs. That's going to be my value in the market. And therefore, I never niche down for that reason. It's not in my DNA to niche down. It was in my DNA to be able to be the doctor, you know, the, the PCP, the primary care physician, to be able to resolve all those things that companies have. And that's sort of what's what's driven me to be more of a generalist than a specialist. Yeah, I was listening to this video last night. It was a it came across on YouTube recommendation. It was Gary V, and he was talking to a group of realtors, and it was current day. And he said that thing. He said, "You want to stay curious about the options that you have that are out there, and then when you find one, like do your homework to invest and to learn." And one of the things that's so difficult sometimes for people who are business owners is they find something that works and they say, this is my stake in the ground. I know that this works. I'm never, ever leaving this place. And he talked about that. He's like, there's people who will say, and specifically in the realtor area, he said, you know, I've owned this area for 30 years, this block. And he's like, well, you're not going to own it any longer if you don't look to seek to, you know, stay curious or do homework. And what you talked about in going into Web3 and NFTs, I think for a lot of marketers, we see a new platform, we see a new option, and we immediately get this visceral response of one more thing, like this overwhelming, you know, and especially as you, you know, we've both seen it in the last 12 years of just what is next. And I, I don't think there's enough conversation, especially what you just said around, I might not be able to go down the lane of TikTok or business B2B businesses might not be well suited with Pinterest because we're so inundated, I think, with these messages of you need to be all places and do all things. But I liked this call of action that he had to say, stay curious and just do 10 to 15 hours of homework just so that you can be educated on the matter. You might not need to do it 100%, but at least you can know it, which goes back to your PCP kind of idea. Like you have a broad perspective of all of them and you know which works best for each business owner, which I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and Gary is obviously, he's the guy who will experiment with any and every right. new channel that pops up, right? He wants to be the first and he's done very well because of that. But yeah, I don't think you have to do all of them, but 
you know, there are people and, and I'm one of them, you know, I try to devote my Fridays to R&D. And you, I'm sure you've heard other podcasters and others talk about, you know, the 80-20, try to devote 20% of your time to education and R&D and, and content creation. So Fridays, those are my days. I block out my calendar. I will not have any client meetings or any other meetings on Fridays. And that, that's my day to do that stuff. So I, I think also, you know, if you want to be successful, you got to be a little bit curious about what else is out there. So if you see it all as a nuisance, you, know, you don't have to do it all, but you need to be aware. So I, I agree 100% with, with Gary. And, you know, generations change. Um, just over the last few years, you know, uh, you, you have kids as well. I mean, my kids were in high school. And I mean, TikTok just didn't exist, right? A few years ago, uh, they, were, they were just getting on Instagram and Snapchat was still around. And now it's like, well, it, it, it's TikTok, it's Discord, it's YouTube. I mean, it, it's all over the place. And with every generation, it's going to change. So I think... You know, if you're a consumer-facing brand on Pinterest, that's really important to understand how these newer platforms work because that's where your consumers—that's where the audience is—and and marketing is about you got to be where your audience is, not where you want to be. And, and Kate, I, I can't tell you how many times I've worked with clients, and there's been you know a social media person in charge, and it's like, well, you know, I don't use LinkedIn, I don't really like LinkedIn, so we focus more on Facebook. It's like, well, you're B two B, you got to be on. It's not about yeah. you got to take your emotions, and you talk about this on on the Simpson podcast. <laughs> And and it's really funny because that's how like we talk. I know we need to talk about LinkedIn. I know that, which I think is very interesting. Well, OK, there's a couple of things that you just said that I think are good call outs. Number one, it, as this generation shifts, I think, you know, advertisers were all about like Saturday morning cartoons, right? When we were kids. And that's where you really hit your bang for your buck with all the toys and everything. And I think about my kids, same as yours. My kids don't even care about TV. You know, I even joke like we have cable because it's one of the only ways to get sports access for my husband. (laughs) But my kids don't care about local TV. They're not even interested in advertising. And you know, what's funny is when they do watch TV, the only thing they happen to take away most of the times are all the jingles from the pharmaceutical commercials. And those are the ones that they know. But really, their time is spent on YouTube. Their time is spent on Pinterest. Their time is spent in these other areas. And if marketers and advertisers said, we are only going to stay on Saturday morning. I was like, well, then I don't know who you're marketing to because your kids aren't there. And I think that's such a good... um, That is a good segue. So I'm going to jump ahead in some of our questions to this current landscape that I see and that you see probably too as well where people are frustrated with the landscape of social media. Specifically for me, it's Pinterest. They are frustrated with the changes. It's kind of like they are that advertiser on Saturday morning that's like, it works right now. Why did you... It's what is What's that book, Who Moved My Cheese? Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. And they're just like, I have worked for years, especially those who have been in the industry five, six, seven, eight years. I have worked for years to protect protect a system to develop it and protect it. Right. And this is where I've connected with people. And now these platforms are changing and I'm done with them. So let's talk a little bit about this whole landscape. I would love to hear your perspective as you see it over the last couple of years and the frustrations of marketers as the content marketing and social media marketing has generally just it's changed. It's been turned on its head. So 
There was a lot in there, but I'll let you camp on. Tell me what your thoughts are with this whole evolution change and then the frustrations that you're hearing from people about the platforms changing. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we should start with the elephant in the room, which is Pinterest, right? Yeah. And I I think that Pinterest users have been shielded for the longest time while other platforms we had, you know, Facebook um, becoming pay to play. We've seen similar algorithm changes on Instagram uh, you know, Twitter, Pinterest was sort of kept out of it. You could still, and, and you can still generate. Okay. I, I actually went through my Google analytics. Okay. And it, so I, I am B2B. I mean, it, my content on Pinterest is all educational. It, it's, it's social digital uh, marketing. And for me now I have 220,000 followers on Twitter. I'm verified there. So Twitter still generates the most traffic on Pinterest. I have like 40,000 followers on Facebook, my Facebook page is around 40,000, LinkedIn around 40,000 followers. So it's actually a really, really good comparison. But in 2020, Pinterest was the second largest generator of traffic. In 2021, Pinterest was still the second largest generator of traffic. And in 2022, up until May 9th of 2022, Pinterest is still number two after Twitter. So some things have changed, but in terms of generating traffic, some things haven't. Now, is it generating as much traffic as before? No. Right. Um, from 2020 to 2021, my Pinterest traffic went down 42% because I was doing the same thing. And I'm sure this is something that a lot of people have told you. But guess what? My Twitter, Twitter traffic went down 32%. My Facebook traffic went down 30, 40%. The only one that increased, well, the only two that increased were actually LinkedIn and Instagram. Interestingly enough, Instagram, very, very small traffic. LinkedIn increased by about 10%. So I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Social networks need to sell advertising. Pinterest was a little bit late to that. And, you know, Pinterest, I I really respect that they're doing it in their own way. They're not trying to be a copycat like Instagram has been. They really have this unique mission. And, And Kate, you've talked about it like on your podcast several times. And so they're doing things in their own way where I still think you are still able to generate traffic, but they're saying, you know what? We need people to stay on our platform. We need to be innovative. We need to create unique products because everybody else, you know, look at your... I look at my daughter, she's on TikTok just scrolling, right? We need to have, we need to have that experience. That is the consumer experience that people are are spending time on, right? And, and we need to have that experience. Now, I don't know if Idea Pins is going to get you that experience, but nevertheless. So guess what? And I, I wrote this blog post back in like 2013 or 14 about LinkedIn is changing. Get used to it. And it was all about like eight years ago on LinkedIn, people were saying, hey, all these millennials are on LinkedIn. They're doing selfies. They're they're not talking professional. They're talking about their personal. And that's like the reality, right? Generations change, social networks change, and we have to adapt. We're playing in their sandbox, in their playground. So, you know, my job is to navigate and say, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't be spending as much time on Pinterest. Or if we really want to get it that much more out of Pinterest, it has to be different. Because what's happening, Kate, is that all these platforms move to the, the, the old TV ads on Saturday morning. It's all like visual ads. There's no direct linkage, right? You got to go out of your way to find out a place to click to get to, to, get to a website. Um, and that's unfortunate, but that's the reality. That's the way that TikTok's built. That's the way that Instagram's built. Pinterest is becoming more and more like that, <clears throat> excuse me, with their newest products. So it, it is a reality. There will be less traffic generated from social media. But guess what? That's why you need to be doing email marketing. That's why you need to find a way to get people onto your list so that you own that relationship. And that's why, Kate, I've also become a huge fan of search engine optimization and just discoverability. Podcasts is a way you get discovered. 
your blog content is where you get discovered on Google, you know, video discoverability on YouTube. And, you know, just looking at my, my social traffic has declined. I mean, social traffic probably dropped by like 40% in 2021. But guess what? My traffic from Google increased like 60, 70% because I invested my email traffic increased, you know, like 30% because I invested in it. So that's why, you know, you need to look at all this. You, it, the way I look at it, Kate, this, this sort of framework, and I'm, I'm writing my next book and I can't wait to release it. But let's look at it this way. It's search email social, right? Search is you, you, you got the podcast, you got the YouTube video, you got your, your web content. Email is where you need to own the relationship. I have clients that make e-commerce clients, you know, Shopify website. They make more money attributed to their email marketing than to a six-figure Google ad spend. I mean, that's how valuable it can be. And then you have the social part. And right now, in terms of web traffic generation, the social part may not be the best place to invest money. It's social still great for developing relationships with influencers, right? With, with uh, content creators, uh, brand awareness. So it has its role. Each one of these has its role, but you can't expect what worked last year. And, and people on other, you know, other social media marketers that are on other platforms understand this, but you do see, hey, you know, LinkedIn is generating more traffic than last year. Maybe I should shift a little bit more into LinkedIn and see what more I can do there. Or, um, hey, you know, Instagram, it doesn't generate direct traffic, but because so many people are on there, it's generating a lot of conversations. And anecdotally, these are leading to relationships or leading to business. So it's really taking a step back and saying, okay, we've had pictures. It's been successful. We can't live in the past. Let's, let's create a scoreboard and, and see where we're at. Because, you know, if you dig deeper, Kate, and, and you talk about Google Analytics and I'll talk about it as well. You know, I look at Twitter and Pinterest as comparison where Twitter traffic went down 32%, Pinterest traffic went down 42%, but conversions, and I measure conversions in terms of email signups from Twitter went down 17%, from Pinterest, they went up 62%. Mm. Wow. So you've got to be looking at the right metrics mm -hmm. to best analyze it. It's not about the traffic, it's about the conversion. If I'm an e-commerce store, obviously it's, it's about that sale. If not, and and like you with Simple Pin Media, you're also looking at you know email addresses yeah. uh, gain, um, and that's why I still I, I'm still invested in Pinterest. I I still know it's valuable and it has that potential because it still generates more traffic for me than Facebook and LinkedIn. So you know I yeah. I urge everyone to do the same thing. You know if you're losing out, I've tried video pins recently. I've tried a few idea pins. I don't see things changing a lot unless I really go deep into idea pins. That's my own honest assessment, but also. Paid advertising. Yes. Facebook has been paid to play for some time. Pinterest, guess what? You know, there may be a day on your podcast, Kate, where it's like, okay, Pinterest is now pay to play, everybody. Yeah. Pay up yeah. Or, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. Okay. There's there's so much that you said that I, I want to extract a few things. Number one, you essentially laid out this playbook of looking at your business holistically in a digital framework to say, like you said, search email social. Right. But you took each one of those places and said, okay, what are my numbers here? And what are my goals here? And then what has, I love the Twitter Pinterest comparison with email signups and conversions, because what I hear from people is this I get very, um, if there was a top of the funnel to complaints, I get the top of the funnel, right? I get the like, this place, this is awful. This is horrible. Pinterest is dead to me, like all these things. But here's what I find is the same thread of all of those complaints come with people who are only in affiliate marketing or advertising, right? 
they don't have a second layer, right? They've, they have done Google, but they've done Google again to feed the ads model. And so they're frustrated because what do ads rely on? They rely on more clicks. And so as you just described, the whole landscape has lowered, right? Like there is really nobody out there who has not been impacted. Maybe TikTok is the only one by less traffic, right? And you have to step back and ask that question. Okay, if if my model is this, am I going to continue on that model or am I going to add another spoke to the bicycle wheel, right? Because you have spokes to your bicycle wheel and you know what each one is worth to you. And the people who come to me have no idea what their spokes are worth. They have no idea why they're using Pinterest and they just want to try to gamify the system. And what happens is they get burned out and they get exhausted because the only thing they're assigning is how many clicks do I get and how much do I make an ad revenue? Or how many clicks do I get so that I can get onto an ad network? So it feels very short-sighted and I don't know what to tell them. And sometimes I feel I feel like a little bit of a jerk saying, well, you have to diversify. You know, you got to get more lanes in your freeway or you have to figure out what it's worth to you. Like at what point do you stop all of these different tactics in order to diversify or figure out the why that you're doing it. You know, I just, so I get top of the funnel complaints. <laughs> That's what about Pinterest. So as an influencer, affiliate marketing is a type of influencer marketing. There's many yeah. different ways of generating revenue, right? Uh, sponsored posts is, is another way. And, and what's been really interesting, I'm like everybody else, Kate, I use Tailwind. I have my own Tailwind community. You know, I've, I'm on group boards. I've done all that stuff trying to hack it. Um, and what's been really interesting, I'm sure you've seen as well in, in Tailwind communities, Kate, is that there's some people they're pinning not to a website, but they're pinning to an Instagram post or they're pinning to a YouTube video. They're leveraging the Pinterest traffic in a different way to focus on these other assets that they're able to monetize. And maybe ultimately they're monetizing their website, but they're, they're also seeing that there's value in building up authority and building up traffic to other of their profiles. So. I think, you know, you, you can't be a one trick pony. It's like all those people, Kate, that evangelize about Google Plus, where are they? Oh, all yeah. those people that evangelize about StumbleUpon, where are they? You know, MySpace. Periscope. Um, Periscope. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and yeah, I mean, we could even a clubhouse, we can almost add yes. to that list these days. So at, at the end of the day, you need to, you need to be where your audience is. You need to have that mindset. Pinterest is one place. Pinterest can generate some results. But there's other areas out there. And if you just want to get website clicks, I mean, create great content and you, you know, and do it in a smart strategic way. And you will get more web traffic from search engines. There's a lot of bad, outdated content out there. And that's what I've been really passionate about. In terms of just website traffic generation, go to where people are searching. Yes, Pinterest has 300 million users. Well, how many users use Google and other search engines, right? Uh, if, if that's your primary goal, I'd say that would be a great, that, that would be a great addition uh, to your Pinterest efforts. Mm, absolutely. Okay. So if you had to give one business owner a piece of advice, and I'm going to add a layer to this. So we're going to have we're going to do two business owners. They're both new in business. One is going down the content creator model. They're going to be a blogger on a subject matter matter that they're very, you know, passionate about. And then one is an e-commerce seller, physical product. 
they're both starting out and they're looking out on the Grand Canyon of all of these social media search email options. What would you tell each of them about what you would want them to do next? This is really great because I, I actually have, well, obviously the creator, these are more friends, the e-commerce, I'm actually working with an e-commerce startup. So uh, helping them through answering that exact same question. Let's start with the creator. So um, I just came back from a conference called the Creator Economy Expo that was put on by oh, Joe Pulitzer. I Pulitzi. wanted to go to that. Oh, was we it could so have met good? Up there, Kate. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. I, you know, I, I have my own podcast, Your Digital Marketing Coach. I'm actually going to be publishing an episode of what I learned there this week. But anyway, uh, I don't want to... Send it to me right away. Okay. This is good. We'll link to it in the show notes too. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, but as a creator, there are many ways to monetize, right? And, and the Creator Economy Expo, I mean, hey, you know, you had people check my YouTube and TikTok and, and Web 3.0 and, and NFTs as well. But at the end of the day... The only way you monetize as a creator is if you have a community. Now, the people looking to do affiliates, they were able to hack Pinterest and generate website traffic, which made them, you know, which gave them the ability to do that. But these days, the system that works is just creating really great content, but but creating community around that content, right? And truly connecting with people and developing relationships. Because at the end of the day, it's the community that helps you get monetized, not just tapping into the community for monetizing opportunities. But if you want to work with brands, you need to have the community because they're going to support you. They're going to, they're going to be clicking or, or, or doing whatever you ask them to do. So I think that's something that a lot of creators take for granted that I would want you to focus on at the very beginning. Give tremendous value, connect with people that follow you, but connect with other people in that space. Obviously, you need to be creating content around that, whether you do YouTube or TikTok or blogging, whatever you're, whatever's easier for you, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to and, and whatever you're passionate about, but make that connection and definitely start an email list as soon as possible. I'd say start a Discord community because that's where more and more creators, I'm sure your kids are also on Discord as, like my kids are. That's where more and more creators are actually creating these communities because what I learned is that Discord is the only social network that integrates with some NFT platforms and some crypto platforms. So if you were to create a membership in this new metaverse. Um, and hey, if, if you have 10 of my coins, you can get access to this level in the Discord. If you have 100 coins, you get access to this level. A lot of YouTubers do this as well. And that's why I'm looking at doing more in Discord myself. But that's a Discord email list community. And then obviously content creation and connection. That, that's, that's really where I'd be focused, um, both online and offline. I mean, if you have the ability to go to conferences like I went to in your industry, you know, go for it. Uh, Facebook groups, um, live streams, you know, whatever it is, I, I would be all over it. So that's that's the create. Does that is that a good enough yeah. answer for that? Yeah, part? so helpful, so helpful. Startup e-commerce. So it one of my favorite quotes, I believe, was Henry Ford. But you hear a lot of this. It takes money to make money. <laughs> so um, you're starting. So this client is a nutraceutical brand. So you can imagine how flooded this market is, and. Um, so let's take a step back. Well, how are you, where do people go to buy nutraceuticals? I would say overwhelmingly Amazon. And a lot of people don't know this, but Amazon has an amazing ad platform. This e-commerce client of mine, for every 25 cents they spend on Amazon ads, they make a dollar. So they can't spend, yeah, they can't spend enough, in other words, versus Google, where maybe for every dollar they spend, they make a dollar. Social media, they need to spend 
two, three, four dollars to make a dollar. And it makes sense. It's search intent. People are not on social media to buy things. People are on Google researching things. So people on Amazon are ready to buy. So I would have a very, I know people sort of bash Amazon, but when I see it from my client's perspective, I would have a very Amazon-centric perspective first. I would definitely, if I'm going to do any ads, I would do them on Amazon, but also to leverage social, I would definitely want to be working with influencers and that content creator that we talked about in the first part of my answer, right? Um, Because that is going to be the best way to get the word out about your brand. I'm not saying you need to pay a lot of money, but it's part of creating community, of tapping into people that have an interest in that. And really what I found, Kate, in writing The Age of Influence was a lot of startups are very successful just gifting products. Right? Yes, agreed. We, we just, and it, you know, you pay $5,000 for Facebook ads, yet you don't want to give influencers a $25 product. You know what I mean? It just, to me, it doesn't make sense. So invest in, invest in people, right? Invest mm-hmm. in relationships and leverage that content as user generated content for your own social media. Don't create your own content. And I do believe you should also have web content. You should also have a website. You yes. should also have blog content. That's going to be the long term, but it does give people a chance to get to know more about you when they do research. Um, it also means if people do a search for you, they, they see you come up. One of the clients that I worked with several years ago had a B2C product on Amazon. And one of the things they did, and this is before Instagram really took off, but they said, look, when someone Googles our product, our company, we want them to find a lot of results in the first page. So I do think that blogger outreach and sponsor posts still do have a role as well. When people do a search, they should be able to see reviews. Um, so that, that would be my strategy. It would be, you know, Amazon, including, you know, uh, paid Amazon, uh, for sure, but it would also be website with, with content and then influencer outreach on the major consumer platforms where your audience is, as well as some blogger outreach sponsor posts. Yeah. I love that. And if you're listening and you're on a walk or something, go back, listen to that, take some notes and really make a plan. Cause I think, with all the things that are out there, this is just a good roadmap. And I agree with the sponsored stuff. I even have been thinking about that um, for even my brand, like reaching out to more people to do sponsored content about Simple Pin Media. And I'm a beta, I'm a service provider, right? But I can see how it can be leveraged in a really powerful way. Well, okay. Kate, I want to throw out one more. Yes. Is that we talked about the search. So you create blog content to be found in search engines. YouTube is a little bit more challenging for most small businesses, right? I get that. I'm, I want to do more on YouTube myself. I need to create my YouTubicle, whatever you call it. Um, but podcasting is really interesting. It's a smaller audience, but it's the only medium where interviews are the norm. So if you're an expert in something, you know, when I came out with the age of influence, like I said, we were on lockdown. How do I get people to find out about me? I, that's where I, I invested heavily into content to get found in Google, but I also was on 100 different podcasts over the course of 90 days, right? With every podcast, whether it's 10 listeners or 100 listeners or 500 or 1,000, it's like you're speaking in front of 1,000 people or 500 people, right? And if you were to do that on a weekly basis, you can imagine just the number of people that you could reach. So I'm a big fan of guest podcasting like like we're doing, right? Um, and I urge people to think about that as well. It, it, it is growing, but... I found, Kate, I have a, my only digital product outside of B2B is a membership community, uh, simple, uh, similar to how you have your membership community. And when I asked people how they found out about me, the only way to get the data was to do the survey. The number one was obviously, well, they had to go to my website to, you know, to, to subscribe. 
But the one after that was podcast. So podcast, it's a low quantity, high quality type of relationship because you're in their ear, right? You're in the ear for 20, 30 minutes, an hour at a time. So I, I strongly urge people listening, if they haven't gone into that world, do a search. Who are people in your industry that are talking about, you know, that have podcasts about that subject and see how you might be able to appear on the show? Because podcast hosts are always looking for great guests. They are. Agreed. As you have been one today. And I will tell you, as a, a podcaster for six years, video ha- felt like a very high barrier to me. Like there are just so many things and we're working on YouTube. But this, I mean, I love conversations with people. And yeah, like you said, it's the only space where people will listen to an interview. If you show me an interview on YouTube, I'm immediately thinking this is 25 minutes. But if I approach my podcast app and I see an interview, I am more excited about the subject matter. And I don't even really care about the time commitment. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but Kate, what's really interesting, I was at PodFest Movement last year and the data shows that YouTube is one of the top three discovery channels for podcasts. So crazy. Some people will listen to it over YouTube. They'll just have YouTube playing in the background. So, hey, I'm not there yet, but I I agree (laughs) with you. Obviously, everyone here is a podcast listener. So um, it's it's brain food. It's nourishing. I love them as well. So I think we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Okay. Last question for you. What has been your favorite business book or resource that you have found most helpful? Ooh, um, you know, I go back in history with the four hour work week just because it got me in the mindset of what is possible. Obviously, when it was first written, it's it was a different time than it is today. I know that there have been updates on it, but I think it really gets you in the mindset because at the end of the day, if you're a creator, your time is your time is your biggest asset, right? And how you invest that time if you get a if you get a collaboration deal. How much do you charge? How much should you charge? Where should you invest your time? It really got me thinking about that time aspect, which I think is critical. I mean, for everybody, right? For business leaders as well. If I was to throw out another one, and and these were like early on in my career, but inbound marketing was one of those classic books that it's like, you know, the hub and spoke. And um, you know, I tend to I tend to talk about the classics more, but those are two books that are are must-reads by anybody listening to your podcast. Mm, okay, we'll link them to the show notes. Okay, Neil, where can people go to connect with you and follow what you're doing? Well, um, my name is Neil Schaefer. I'm the, the real Neil, N-E-A-L. And there's a few Schaefers of us out there in, in marketing. So it's S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. So I'm Neil Schaefer everywhere on social media. My podcast is called Your Digital Marketing Coach with Neil Schaefer. Uh, and my website is guess what? NeilShafer.com. So uh, I realized at some point that the best brand I could have was my own name. So I, I used to have like, you know, Maximize Social Business. When I had all these brand names, it's like, you know what? I can't change my brand with every new book. I'm just going to keep it with Neil Schaefer because then I never have to change it again. So there you go. There you go. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Neil, for being on here today and sharing all of your wisdom, sharing your story. And I hope that our listeners go and connect with you and are really encouraged to approach diversification and create more lanes in their highway to really just expand and grow their business. So thanks so much for being on the show today. The honor was all mine. 